There were four ladies. They were broke down. They said, sir, could you help us? What are y'all laughing about? <laughs> I almost motioned for Teresa to come over, but I didn't. <laughs> Actually, their vehicle started after I got done. It was just connecting the battery cables, you know, that's, that's it. So I, I can do that. All right, take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You should have in your bulletin some handouts for today. And if you had them from last week, then probably good to go. I tried to give you some extra handouts there um, in relationship to the definitions in 1 Corinthians 13 so that you could have those and just kind of work through them at your own pace and your devotions. Um, I didn't want to go, the purpose of this is not to go through all the characteristics of love. Although I was asked about it a couple of, uh, three or four weeks ago, I thought we could do just maybe the first couple, and that's what we're going to do today, is um, do the second one, Love is Kind. And then we'll move on uh, in our discipleship series, and next week will actually be the last week. Remember the purpose of this is to kind of get you in the mind of making disciples, and that whole piece comes from Matthew 28, where Jesus says to his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You remember that's where we started, and we looked at that whole verb piece of make disciples. And, and as you read through that text, you can't help but notice that one of the responsibilities the Lord gives to His disciples is to teach, teaching them. And so if a person comes to Christ, we don't just leave them isolated, but we want to speak into their lives the Word of God, right? We want to lead them in the Word. We want to educate them in the things that God says because, quite frankly, nothing else matters. See, so when we're discipling someone... We want to educate them in what God's Word says. And, and I've asked you this a couple of times uh, before in this series, but have you been discipled? And that's a good question to think through, right? Have you been discipled? Has somebody poured their life into you and educated you in the Word of God? So that when someone asks you a question concerning the Gospel, you're able to give them an answer. So when, ask, when so, someone asks you about baptism, you're able to talk to them about baptism from the Scriptures. Different types of baptisms. You better be ready to do that. And so a disciple needs to not only educate himself and continue to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as a disciple, but as you're maturing, you need to pour your life into someone else. You know, we're not called to be isolated Christians. God has not called us to that. We need to pour ourselves into other people's lives. How many of you had someone pour their life into you? Right? Think about that. I mean, how appreciative are you of that? Right? And so that's what we're thinking through in the context of this series is making disciples. And then so we move from that to, you know, kind of what does that look like? And, and how's, how, does that, how does that look? And so 
um, we went to John chapter 13. What did Jesus teach his disciples? The command he gives them was to what? Love one another. Even as I have loved you. And so he not only gives them the command, but, but it's a pretty weighty command. Because he says, listen, you're to love one another as I have loved you. In other words, no one else is the example. I'm the example. And so from that, we wanted to kind of look at what is this whole love thing? If we're to love one another, you know, how does that wrapped up? What does that look like? How important is it? It's not just the words, I love you, but it's the agape love is what? It's action. It's doing for someone. And it's doing for someone without the thought of any repayment. It's just doing it because that's what God's called us to do. Well, this morning we're going to think about love is kind. All right, last week we looked at love is patient. We got through that. And this morning, in 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthian church, he says, love is not only patient, it's kind. If you didn't like patient, you're not going to like kind. And if you keep studying through that list, you're really not going to like it. But I want to remind you of a couple of things that we talked about. That it's impossible as a believer, and you need to get this in your mind, it is impossible as a believer to love, to agape love, without the Spirit of God controlling you. Impossible. In your flesh, we're not prone to do that in our flesh. So we need the Spirit of God to lead us. And so we get up and we say, Spirit of God, control me today. Lord, help me to walk by Your Spirit today. Help it to not be about my flesh. Wow, and have you found, guys, if you don't do that first thing in the morning, what's it look like? It's rough. Good answer. That wasn't planned. Good answer. It's rough. Flesh looks rough. So we need the Spirit of God every day to control us. And Paul says, walk by the Spirit. You will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And then we look at, first, at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, notice that's singular, by the way. It's not fruits. It's fruit. Because if I'm walking by the Spirit, those things are going to be manifested in my life. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. <laughs> How many of you look at that list and go, wow. Right, what? Wow, man. But here's what's beautiful, guys. It's all about what the Spirit's doing through you. It's not about us. It's about what the Lord can produce through us as we're under the control of the Holy Spirit. That is not taught enough in churches today. Can I just say that out loud? I am saying it. It's not taught enough. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. No, you can't do it. I did a funeral several years ago for a young man who had committed suicide. Family is, lives in proximity in the area. 
And so they knew I was a pastor and they asked me if I would do the funeral for their son. And so I did. But I'll never forget the setting in the room. Never. As long as the Lord gives me memory. I walk in the room, and in the, in the living room, and, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really know the family that well. And you know what they're doing? They're having a pep rally. We can get through this. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. And I want to say, no, you can't. We can't do it, guys, without the Spirit of God. It's impossible. Actually, when you think about it, isn't that kind of nice? To know it's the Spirit that's doing the work? Well, we want to move on to this issue this morning of love is kind. What comes to your mind when you think of kindness? What comes to your mind when you think of kindness? I want you to just think through that. What comes to your mind? Well, since I've had time to think about it, the first thing that came to my mind was awareness. If I am going to demonstrate kindness in the body, I need to be aware of the people around me in the body. Does that make sense? So the Spirit needs to control that too, because if I just walk in on a Sunday morning, I mean, I'm going to church today. It's great. I'm going to church. And I take my seat. These seats, they're getting comfortable, aren't they? Find you a seat. Mark that seat, put your name on it, because you need to sit in it a bunch. These seats are a little more firm. So, mark your seat. Right? So, we don't just come to church. But we're, you realize, this is what a privilege. We're coming to be with the body of Christ. And if I am going to demonstrate kindness with the help of the Holy Spirit, then not only do I need to pray, Spirit, control me today, but Spirit, as you're controlling me, make me aware of the people around me. That's hard to do. Impossible to do without the Spirit. So there has to be this sense of awareness that we're praying Spirit of God, give me an awareness of people around me so that I can demonstrate kindness to them. Because that's what you want me to do. So, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of kindness, but awareness of opportunities came to mind. And then I wanted to ask you the second question. Who comes to mind? Ultimately, the Lord is the greatest example of kindness. We're going to see that in a minute. But you know, the person that came to my mind... Nell Miner. Would you say that Nell Miner demonstrated the love of God to, uh, to the body of Christ? Yes. She was kind. Do you know, not all of you knew Nell Miner, but she was a wonderful lady. And um, she was limited physically as she got older. She couldn't do as much. But you know what? She wasn't content with that. That's a good sermon in itself. She wasn't content with that. She did not allow her age to become a hindrance to ministering to the body. She didn't say, well, I'm too old. She can't do it. 
I've got all these troubles in my life. Poor, poor me. Did you ever hear that come out of Nell Miner's mouth? Never. Why? Because the Spirit of the living God was controlling that woman. And even in her last few months, when I would go visit her, you know what she would ask all the time? Dad, what can I do to minister to the body? And do you know, she was restricted in the last few months to just one thing, but I'm confident in the Lord that she did it. You know what that was? Prayer. Dad, I need a list. I need a list of those families I need to pray. I need a list. And when Nell Miner told you she needed a list, you gave her a list. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're the pastor and you go visit and, and you're going to minister to that person. And every time I left that lady's home, I was like, wow, Lord, that was for me today. Right? She ministered to me. That's what the body does, though, right? The body ministers to one another. And that happens with a spiritual lens, guys. So I need to walk through the door and think through, hey, it's not about me. It's not about, I got one hour, Thad, and then I'm leaving. How can I minister to the body? Love is kind. That's an action term. Let me give you the definition of it in the Greek for those of you who would like to have that, so that you can refer to it all week long. Greek word emphasizes being useful. The word describes one who looks, this is really important, who looks for opportunities to minister to others without the thought of repayment. So kindness is not, well, I'm going to be kind to my wife today because I want her to be kind to me today. It's not how it works. It's not how it works in the body of Christ. It's one who looks for opportunities to minister to others without the thought of repayment. By the way, just in case you didn't know, this runs counter to our culture. Would you say our culture is kind? No, it's not. When was the last time somebody cut you off in traffic? Or cut in front of you in a line at the store and you're like, Hey! You ever just wanted to do that? When somebody cuts in front of you, I've always, I haven't done it yet, but I've always, I'm probably going to do it one day. Who knows what's going to happen. But I just want to say, What are you doing? Our culture cannot be accused of being kind. Well, I like what A.T. Robertson says. He says, The word kind not only describes the attitude of generosity, but it is revealed in action. See? So when, when, when someone in the body is being generous, it's revealed in action. We don't just say, Hey, that person's generous. Well, no. If that person's generous, then it's revealed in their action. Well, in the context of 1 Corinthians, guess what was not happening in that church? Not a whole lot of kindness. I want you to go back just a couple, couple of pages in your Bible, 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11.
It's in the context of the Lord's Supper. And Paul writes, But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you. Because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Now, if you were in Corinth, would you want him to read any further than that? Wow. This doesn't sound so good. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, as a body, I hear that divisions exist among you. There was schism in the church at Corinth. They were not unified. That's what the text says. (laughs) I start laughing when I read this next part. I'm sorry. And in part, I believe it. Paul said, I believe it. And then he says, For there must also be factions among you in order that those who approve may become evident among you. Notice this next two verses. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So there was this, in the larger context, there was an agape feast, okay, a love feast. It was a time where the body came together to love on one another. And part of that agape feast was remembering the Lord's death. That's what he says, for in your eating, each one shares. Is that what it says? Not what it says. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. And one is hungry and another is drunk. (laughs) That certainly is not a demonstration of kindness. They weren't sharing in the body. And then Paul's response, what? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? In other words, stay home. Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? That's pretty strong language. I mean, at least the way I'm looking at it. You see that? Or do you despise the church of God? Because the church of God is a witness to the love of Christ. The church of God is a witness. Remember what Jesus told His disciples? The world will know that you are My disciples by your what? Love for one another. He says, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. No. That's pretty rough, man. If I was sitting there listening to that, I'd be going, ugh. What's the good news? Good news is there's grace. By the way, that's the good news. Good, the good news is this, guys. We may not be on the same page with the Lord this morning at whatever time it is right now. But by His grace, we can get there. By His grace, we can say, Holy Spirit, listen, I've been really selfish. I've been selfish. When I come to meet with the body, it's all about my needs. And I'm missing out. Do you know how people come and go from churches a bunch? You ever thought about that? Sometimes they don't like the pastor, and that can happen. Sometimes they don't like the music, that can happen. 
But you know what happens to a lot of believers? They come in a fellowship and they sit and they're looking for what? People to meet their needs. Because it's all about me in this culture. But that's different from the language of Scripture. See, it's not about me. So when I come on a Sunday morning, I'm looking to minister to the body. And that means I have to be aware of what's going on. Guys, listen, you know what's so wonderful in the body? I can say this in my own life, and I won't give you specifics, but I've had times where I've been hurting, and I've had members of the body reach to me. I love that. You know what that does? It encourages the stew out of me. I'm like, man, Lord, your body's working. How many of you would testify you've got that card at just the right time? Man, you're at the end of your rope and you're going, ugh. I don't know if I want to go to church. No, I, ugh. And then somebody sends you a card. Or somebody drops by unexpectedly. The church at Corinth needed a little bit of coaching. I think the church at large today needs a little bit of coaching. I think you guys are doing wonderful. And I said that last week. But as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians concerning love, what did he say? Excel still more. Because you know what happens? Complacency can set in. And I can, be, I can look at someone and go, oh yeah, they're alright. They're here today. They're fine. Well, they might not be fine. But how many people have ever been honest with you on a Sunday morning and said, how you doing? Fine. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Great. And so one morning, surprise somebody. How you doing? Lousy. Lousy. So the word kind not only describes attitude of generosity, but is revealed in action. That was not going on here in Corinth. Talk about the kindness of the Lord a little bit, because that's what we, want, we need to focus on for the next few minutes. The kindness of the Lord. When we think of the greatest example of kindness, who are we looking to? Let's look to the Lord first. You know, in Nehemiah, as they're recalling the history of the nation... I just put one, this is one verse, by the way. You look at it and go, well, that's truth. It's one verse. It says, they refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds. I encourage you to read that prayer. It's a very long prayer. The longest. They refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds which you had performed among them. That happens, by the way. We don't need to forget the wondrous deed that God has done for us. Right? Most of all, in saving us. We're going to talk about that in a minute. He sold that campus. We don't need to forget that. We will. I mean, I'm not shooting us down. But it happens. Time does that. We forget. I mean, nowadays you have to educate the young people about 9-11. They don't know about it. They don't remember. Remember, they refused to listen, did not remember your wondrous deeds which you had performed among them, so they became stubborn (laughs) Uh, 
and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God. Why You read that first part and you're going, Ugh, if I'm God, but you're not God. Thankful we have a God of mercy and love and kindness, and He is gracious. It's Nehemiah, but you are a God of forgiveness and gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. Thank the Lord for that. And abounding in loving kindness. Not just, he doesn't just say gracious and loving kind or kind. He says abounding in loving kindness. Overflowing. I don't remember the address, but there's one psalm that there's a, a, it repeats it. Every single statement, there's your loving kindness is everlasting. Your loving kindness is everlasting. Your loving kind, why? Because his loving kindness is everlasting. He's kind to us in spite of us. And notice that last part, and you did not forsake them. Huh. So right, so we think about our lives and, and we may become stubborn and, and we may become proud in our lives. But guys, listen to me. If you're in Christ today, listen to this. He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. And it may be, you may be going, but Thad, you don't know what I've done. He, well, I don't know. He knows. But you know what? In spite of us, he demonstrates his loving kindness. <laughs> In spite of Israel, he did time and again and again and again and again. And I don't have time to get into a theological lesson about this, but the Lord has not forgotten Israel. Okay? There's a pause button. But the Lord has not forgotten His people. It's coming. I think I gave you a couple other examples there of the kindness of the Lord. I wanted to show you one in the New Testament that really spoke to me. I want you to go to, with me to Titus, that little book of Titus. The little book that has three chapters. The little, poor little book that's probably forgotten a lot. Titus is a wonderful book. There are two examples that I want to share with you about this issue of kindness. And, and the Lord is the greatest example of kindness. God is the example. Notice verse 4 of chapter 3. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. I've heard guys teach 4 through 7 and forget 1, 2, and 3. You can't do that. Because in 1 and 2, Paul's reminding them about how they respond to authority. And then in verse 3, because you see, you have that little word but there in verse 4. So that little word, but, should take you back to verse 3. Did you know that? Here's an English lesson. If you see an and, or a but, or a for, or because, and I could go on and on and on, please go back. Because there's something there to connect the thought. 
In verses 1 and 2, he reminds them of their responsibility to the authorities over them. He says, remind them to be subject to their rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. To malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. All men. This is just a quick little, I'm not even sure what you're going to think about the example, but quick little example of being kind to all men. Ultimately, that's demonstrated in us sharing the greatest news in our lives, and that's Christ. That's ultimately. But you think about just a cultural thing. Wouldn't it be nice if our culture returned to being kind to someone when they enter a, a place, whether it's a store or a, a, a shopping place, and, and you saw an older couple walking, and, and you just took a little bit longer to get through that door, and you open that door? The disrespect, this is a whole other sermon, the disrespect for the older folks in our country is unbelievable. We need to stop. We don't need to be like the world. Take a few more seconds and open that door. Take one or two seconds. I've done this. In fact, there's another member in the church. We've run, we've run into this guy a couple of times at Cracker Barrel. We've been eating there. And this guy, he, he always wears his veteran's hat. And so I'm, I'm, I like to talk to people. So I walked up to him and said, I just want to tell you I really appreciate your service. You say, that's just a little thing. No, it's not. You know what that is? That's a talking point. And do you know what? Because ultimately we want to get in the talking point to where we're sharing the gospel. Do you know what? That can happen. By just demonstrating a little bit of kindness. I was at a baseball game one time. I didn't intend to share this, but I'm going to share it with you. And the national anthem was about to be played. And there was these young guys down in front, and I was with somebody who, who corrected them. And um, I won't tell you who, but um, because they're, you know them. And so, so we're sitting there at the game, and there's these young guys, and they're just, you know, and they got their hats on. And oh my goodness, this person went down and took their hats off for them, you know, in love, and said... You're going to honor the flag in the memory of those men and women who died for this country. And I was like, <laughs> ultimate kindness is to share the gospel with someone. But you know, that door, the way that door's cracked open, it varies. So just demonstrating general kindness can open that door. So you have in verse 4 of chapter 3, Right? This little connector. And so he tells him, he says, this is how you are to be subject to those who are over you. And then verse 3 he says, for we also once were. We also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice. You know what that word means? That you wish ill towards someone. That's the thought. 
in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. And so Paul says, this is how we were. By the way, I love the fact that he uses that little pronoun, we. We were. Before Christ, guys, we were. But, now you get the picture, but when we got better, God did this. Is that what it says? When Thad shaped up, God did this. When you shaped up, when man shaped up, God did this. That's not what it says. You know what's so beautiful about the kindness of the Lord? It's demonstrated right here in verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. We were declared righteous. He saved us. The kindness of God in the way we should think is Jesus Christ. That's the kindness of God. The kindness of God is demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Because He did something for man that man could not do. He died in my place and in your place. He died for us. And my friends, listen to me. He was guilty of nothing. Nothing. He died for us. Paul writes, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, Notice verse 7, that being justified or declared righteous. Hey guys, we're not declared righteous because of something we've done. Do you understand that? It's not, we haven't done anything. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is poured out on those who believe. And so when God sees Thad Blunt... He sees the righteousness of His own Son. Which covers me and covers you if you are in Christ today. Verse 7, that being justified by His grace, grace means unmerited favor. By His grace we might be made heirs according to the hope of His glory. Hey guys, not only... Did he, God demonstrate kindness toward us and that while we were yet sinners, as Paul says in Romans, Christ died for us. But listen to me, we're made heirs. We're sons. Think about it. You and I don't deserve it, do we? We don't deserve the kindness of God, but God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. The ultimate demonstration of kindness. He did nothing wrong. And yet God placed all of His wrath, all of His wrath on His Son. 
And aren't we glad for that statement that Jesus made on the cross at Calvary? It is finished. It's finished. The ultimate example of kindness is demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ. Can I leave you with one other example quickly? Because ultimately Christ is our example and I know I'm running out of time, but I want to give you one more because it's a person in Scripture that you may not have attributed kindness to, but I want you to go with me just real quickly to Acts chapter 15. Acts 15. Down in verse 36. Real quick, let me give you the setting for this. So in Antioch, Paul and Silas were separated to the gospel. The Bible tells us that they were sent out. And in verse 5 of Acts 13, it tells us that there was one that went with them, and his name was John, who we know as John called Mark. Well, the Bible tells us in chapter 15, this is time frame-wise, it's two or three years later, all right, since they had been initially on that journey. And verse 36 of chapter 15 says this, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And Barnabas was desirous of taking John, called Mark, along with them also. Now, when you look at that, that just looks pretty innocent in and of itself, unless you know the story previous. Because in the middle of the journey, what does John Mark do? He deserts them. That's what he does. In fact, back in chapter 13... It tells us in verse 13, Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. The text doesn't tell us why. But he left them. He deserted them. Now Paul is ready to go back with Barnabas and visit the brethren in every city in which they proclaim the word of the Lord. And verse 37 of chapter 15 says, Hey, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. Now notice verse 38. But Paul kept insisting that they would not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So this is what you have. Paul says, let's go back and let's visit the cities. And Barnabas was desirous of that, but... He wanted to take John Mark, and Paul's like, uh, uh-uh, no. Verse 39, it says, There arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. Notice this Lex little phrase, and Barnabas took Mark with him. Now, you could look at that phrase, and no, that's just part of the story. He took him with him. My friends, listen to me. That is an act of kindness. 
That's what it is. You know what Barnabas was saying? Hey, listen, I'm taking him with me. I'm desirous of going with Paul, but I'm taking John Mark with me. And we look at that act and we go, well, yeah, but you know, Barnabas, he's called the son of encouragement and and that's his cousin and so he's got to do that. Did he have to do that? No, he didn't have to do that. Can I show you real quickly the end of that story? This is really cool. Go in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we'll end here. 2 Timothy 4. Verse 11, Paul is coming to the end of his life. What a book. But he's coming to the end of his life and the Bible says, verse 11, Only Luke is with me. Chapter 4, verse 11. Pick up who? Mark. And bring him with you for he is what? He's useful. To me for service. He's useful. Now think about this. We don't, I don't like to do this what ifs with Scripture because it's just so clear what it is. But what if Barnabas doesn't do that? Hey guys, you know what happens in the body of Christ sometimes? Man, I could go on with this for hours. You know what happens in the body of Christ sometimes? We leave people who are off the trail laid out. Well, there's just no point in even doing anything. That's the flesh. That's my brother in Christ in the ditch. And Galatians 6.1 tells us what to do. Go get that brother. Don't leave him in the ditch. Yeah, but Dad, you don't know what they're doing now. Ah, hey, but for the grace of God, it's me and you. What happens if you're in the ditch? Don't you want somebody to throw you a lifeline? By the way, the lifeline's the Word. It's not your wisdom or my wisdom. The lifeline's the Word. I love this illustration. The kindness of Barnabas. What a beautiful picture because in the early church, the Bible says they shared together. Barnabas demonstrated kindness. To John Mark. Guys, hey, can we agree? Let's pray about it. Can we agree on that? Lord, help me to be more aware of those people around me so that I can demonstrate by the power of your Spirit kindness in this person's life. Two thoughts and we're done. Take homes. What are some ways God has demonstrated kindness in your life? That might take you a while. That'd be a good devotional time. That might take you a week or two, or three or four, or five or six. What are some ways God has demonstrated kindness in your life? Secondly, demonstrating kindness demands a constant awareness. Constant awareness. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's okay. I'm not going to sing. Um, the third one's blank anyway. And that's for you to fill in. That's for you to fill in. 
Lord, what do I need to do in this area of kindness in my life as a believer? When I was, um, when I was in New York State um, in 1994, uh, my dad left my mom. And he told me he was going to leave her. I remember it was the summertime and they'd come up and he told me, he said, son, I'm going to leave your mother. And, of course, it just really blew me out of the water. I just was totally distraught. And uh, probably in shock for a while, obviously. But I remember the action of two or three men. When all that initially went on, I mean, I'm living up in the north and, and my, my mom and my dad lived in Little Rock. It was a 24-hour drive, right? But I remember the kindness demonstrated by a couple of different men. And you know what they did? I'll never forget this. When they found out about it, it was one day after church, and they said, hey, Thad, we'd like to meet with you. And, you know, when you're in ministry and somebody says they want to meet with you, it could be anything. And so I sat office and they say, hey, Thad, we want to pray for you. Okay? And this is why we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you because we know you're hurting. And we don't like to see our brother hurting. Isn't that pretty awesome? Guys, that's an act of kindness. And that's what God wants us to be aware of. That love is patient and love is kind. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you this morning for your word and Thank you, Lord, that with the help of your Holy Spirit, we can demonstrate kindness. But it's only with the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you reminded me this week that if we're going to demonstrate kindness, that um, the greatest attacker to that is self. Because if I'm going to be demonstrate kindness through the help of your spirit, then I have to see those around me. And if I if I, and if I'm going to do that, I can't be so self-absorbed. So I pray that you would help me, Lord, help me. Help me to demonstrate kindness to my brothers and sisters in Christ in this place, and outside of these walls. Help me to do that by your Spirit and ultimately for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you.